hello, 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 and welcome to week 23 of the 52-week film project. This week, we are only reviewing one film. We're finally kind of slowing our pace down from the manic <laughs> set of reviews we've been putting out in the last few weeks. We are going to be reviewing Slaughterhouse Rules, the new Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, minus Edgar Wright horror comedy. Would you call it a horror comedy? A horror comedy. What? Yeah. What would you call this film? Um. I'd say it could be a thriller. I would say it's more a thriller. Than anything Fuck else. off! It's not like it. They run it's through the like woods a... for the whole half, last half of the movie. Just running through woods. It's not exactly thrilling, though, is it? No. We're not talking like John Le Care, like espionage thriller. No, but you can. There's a thriller comedy is What's... like a genuine thing, isn't it? Name one. Tag. A simple favor. We dame two. There we go. <laughs> High five, man. Yeah, I know. Damn well. Hands are really clammy. Anyway, uh, that's now the podcast. Right. Um, yeah. So the new horror comedy Slaughterhouse Rules. Um, essentially, can you call it a loose follow-up to Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End, or is it? Well, I don't think it's part of the Cornetto trilogy, which was, I think, rumored about this film. But I'd say, but I'd say it's the same vibe. That's because Edgar Wright's not in it, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because Edgar Wright is the director who's kind of you know credited for most of the kind of. The, the great cinematography the kind of chop and change kind of dynamic that was in those films and obviously this isn't done by him this is done by another guy whose name escapes me but he worked with simon Pegg on the fantastic fear of everything his name's chris crispian mills and he's in a band he doesn't do much directing i think he's only directed the fantastic fear of everything he's in a band called cooler shaker cooler shaker um i don't know why i did that in voice um and he um he's opened for robbie williams what a, um, what a dude. I know. Imagine if you could just like, oh, fucking jack of all trades, man. I know. It's like the hereditary music person who was just in a band and then started doing stuff for hereditary. He wrote the music for like, da 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 What is that? The, um, I want to say the ACDC Adagio for Strings thing, what it was called. What? Have you not seen Cashmere? No, is it Cashmere? Oh, what? You mean the Led Zeppelin song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dun, 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 the X Factor music? Yes. What? And he wrote. No, he Surely Led, Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin wrote, wrote that. that. <laughs> no, it must be. I'm so yeah, confused. No, he, he, he went from that Cashmere song to. No, but it's, it's one of those things that's on constantly on YouTube videos. It's like the most epic piece of music ever. Right, okay. But I, I kind of maybe. I differentiated for Cashmere. Well, okay. Well, great, great, <laughs> great segue. Um, but before we get kind of deep down into the nitty gritty um, and the goriness of Slaughterhouse Rules, we've got some news. Um, what was your first news story of the week, mate? Um, okay, so we have news that Ewan McGregor is going to star in the new Birds of Prey film. We already know that Margot Robbie, Janice Smollett, Belle, Rosie Perez and Mary Elizabeth Winstead will be star- starring as Harley Quinn and others. So this um, is a, hold on, so this is a Harley Quinn spin-off film? It's kind of a Harley Quinn spin-off film, but it's Birds of Prey has been a um, long-standing part of the DC universe. So what is that? Is that like Margot? Ro- sorry, is that um, Harley Quinn's like girl supervillain group? Or? Superhero group. Um, Hero group. Yes. So Harley Quinn was never really in the Birds of Prey. What the Birds of Prey were were the original three were Black Canary, um, Oracle, who used to be Barbara Gordon Batgirl. And okay. then the Huntress, and those are the original three. They the comics for that got released in the late nineties, two thousands. The team then expanded because it was quite a popular comic um, with people like Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. But it was that that kind of thing of sometimes they'd be supervillains and sometimes they'd be heroes. But obviously Harley Quinn being a prominent part of the Suicide Squad, and with the sequel coming up, and with like a lot of the marketing, and also Harley Quinn. Like we've just had a Halloween. How many people were dressed as Halloween as 
How many people Michael Myers. Like? Yeah, Mike, Michael Myers or um, Harley Quinn from Suicide Squad. Yes, there's so still true. so many of them. So, um, so yes. So Ewan McGregor is going to be starring as the villain in this, and the villain is Black Mask. Now I know about Black Mask from the Under the Hood comic. Um, that's the comic where Jason Todd, the second Robin, comes back to life. Um, and Black Mask is kind of, you think he's going to be the main villain, but he kind of just gets over, he gets completely decimated in his organisation by the Red Hood. So okay. the Red Hood is fighting both crime, but violently and trying to kill everyone, and Batman in that comic, which is really, really interesting. Um, so I'm excited. Ewan McGregor, I've, I, all I can think of Ewan McGregor is he's done a lot of films, but I just still think of him as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I still think of him as the train spotting guy. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see him do something like that. Um, I haven't seen him play a straight villain in ages. I can't think of the last time he's played a villain. Oh, but I, I was going to say, like, you'd beat me to it if you had one, because I have no idea. No, I've, um, I've, I've looked at his last film, filmography, and to my knowledge, I can't think of anything. No. I mean, unless he was a dick in Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, but I assume he's not. I imagine, <laughs> I imagine he's quite a nice guy in that film. Yeah, but... yeah. I think that would be odd if he was an arsehole. That Maybe one. that film's like a, a wolf in sheep's clothing and it's actually like this sordid tale of a man who like physically abuses his wife while fishing in Yemen or... Yeah. Or maybe it just is about like salmon. Maybe it's like a Finding Nemo film. Or maybe it's like from the salmon's perspective, and <sighs> he actually is the villain. <laughs> what a like... film from a salmon's perspective? How much bra- many brain cells does an individual salmon have that could write a film about? It'd just be sort of like light and dark black spots. God, I don't know. You know what, mate? Okay, we, like... we, we should be a science podcast. <laughs> 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 maybe we'd have answers to important questions like how many brain cells does a salmon have? Exactly. And also, if it's just a black and white podcast of just a salmon seeing things, it probably would be better than a querula. It'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like that film The Artist. I bet like the Oscars would like The Oscars would lap it up. <laughs> Give it to like Edgar Wright and like or something and they they absolutely love it. Um, so yeah, the the uh birds of prey film is released in february 2020 i am excited about it they've got a director who i've no- not really heard about before called kathy yen in to do it who's directed dead pigs i don't know if you've heard don't know of what it that is, no. No, neither did i i think it's i think it can't what... be hard to direct dead pigs though can it <laughs> <laughs> i bet it was more difficult for the guy that was dealing with leonardo dicaprio on the revenant indeed indeed i i think that is on par with my the worst joke I told from it last week. Well, mate, I think we have to limit it to one dad joke <laughs> per, per news story. Yeah, near so enough. So moving swiftly on, <laughs> uh, my first bit of news: uh, the director of the recent It remake, Andy Muschietti. Um, I don't really know what he's done before it, but he did a great job with that film. Mm-hmm. He's just announced two films that he's adapting. Um, I think he's involved in the writing process as well as on board to direct. One of them is a re-remake of The Time Machine, the classic H.G. Wells novel, Ooh, sci-fi novel. Interesting. Um, it was done back in 2008 uh, with, I think, Guy Pearce in the role. Um, or maybe it's 2002, I'm not sure. It was a while ago and it wasn't particularly good. So that'll be quite interesting. I mean, do you know, do you know the concept of the time machine have you read it i've never read the time machine. The, like the the very brief synopsis of the time machine is an inventor travels like thousands and thousands of years into the future sees that it sucks travels even further into the future sees the earth get swallowed by the sun and then heads back to the present day which now seems all the more palatable because you see how shit the future is H. that H. is that Wells. is the book H.G. Wells wrote so much science fiction, but when I was I, was, I did a module on H.G. Wells and science fiction in general, genuine, and he, it was 
he had such a weird pessimistic view about any science fiction. Yeah. He was almost like an anti-science fiction writer. Well, he, he sounds like quite the nihilist. All of his yeah. books are about kind of the end of days and destruction and human weakness. And yeah, well, anyway, but that's one of the films that Andy Muschietti is going to be doing. But he's more like more interesting for me. He signed on to do a live action Warner Brothers helmed American version of Attack on Titan, Ooh. which is the Japanese cartoon series are you familiar with attack on titan have you watched any of it i've not watched a single one of Attack. so it is absolutely bizarre like i went on a brief wave of watching it and i kind of i got a bit sick of it after a while i watched maybe like 10 or 12 episodes but the the concept of this show is that mankind lives within this walled area and outside of this walled area are these giant human-esque looking beings that are completely naked and have these really twisted facial expressions and there is no explanation for what they are or why they exist. But mankind is basically being attacked by them. Um, and the the cartoon series sort of centers around the lives of these kind of young cadets who become soldiers to try and take on the battle against these big, evil, strange human things. And then kind of slowly but surely you uncover this conspiracy about what they what their origin is or whatever. But so much of the cartoon like the way it's kind of drawn it looks really creepy mm. and also most of the action kind of revolves around them like slicing huge chunks off these giant naked people so i have no idea what an americanized warner brothers live action version of this of this concept is going to look like i'm very very skeptical that they're going to do the actual japanese series justice mm. but more than anything I'm just dead curious to know what the giant creatures are going to look like in a live action film. Ooh, that like, be... Are they going to use real human actors and like morph them and make them look even bigger? And because they've got these kind of like almost like imagine like the Joker, like the really twisted facial expression, like that's what they look like. Um, and I'm just I'm I'm fascinated by like how he's going to do this because obviously he's done so much of that facial work with. Um, uh, Bill Skarsgård for Pennywise mm. the Clown so he clearly has a penchant for kind of making those manic menacing faces um, so yeah, maybe he's the right guy for the task it would be very interesting to see what, is Attack on Titan more or less odd than Neo Yokio oh way more odd <laughs> yeah no Neo Yokio for the, anyone who isn't familiar is a six episode thing on Netflix that me and Will have tried to finish about five times which has resulted in us watching the first few episodes like over and over again and loving it more and more every time um, it's basically imagine like a manga cartoon with Jaden Smith as the lead voice actor playing the most eligible bachelor in New York with a robot sidekick who's voiced by Jude Law being as British as he possibly can. If that hasn't sold you, I don't know what will. Yeah. Oh, and that, oh, and that, and he's a wizard. Oh, he's, he is a wizard. He's a wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. No, so that was my <laughs> that was my bit. Cool, cool. Uh, second piece of news. Um, you'll never guess what, Jake. Go on, mate. There's a sequel to the Megan production. Oh, I know. I really? know. So there's not much. This is a very short news story because there's not much being announced about it at all. It's essentially they're in talk with Warner Brothers to do another sequel, but considering the film swam away, eh? Pun. <laughs> um, with more than 527 million at the worldwide box office, 
it's it's in that kind of sequel world. It's due a Hollywood sequel. Do you know? Do you know why it managed that? Like, I'm not gonna get all I'm not gonna get all like racist here, but they they did that incredibly like strange segment at the end of the Meg where it winds up on a Korean beach mm. or a Chinese beach, and the whole tone of the film shifted, and it was like it went from being a westernized film to a westernized film made for Chinese people. Mm. And I've got nothing against making films kind of appropriate for all cultures, but it was like for me it was the biggest cash grab ever. It was like either make a film entirely designed for a Chinese or, you know, Eastern audience or make it American. Don't like tack on a bit of cultural relevance in the last 15 minutes of the film and claim all of that box office just as a result. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely I don't know. I just thought it was a bit, I thought it was a bit cheap, but clearly it, clearly it paid off. It is a bit of a sellout, um, but they've talked about doing it and they've not even got a writer yet. Um, chances are that Warner Brothers are going to say yes. Um, and Are they going to make it R-rated or are they going to keep it PG-13? Again, no details. It's very, 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 very boring. I just wanted to, I wanted to go back to when we talked about the Meg previously. Which Meg sequel would you like to see if it's based on the book sequels? Um, the Trench, Meg Primal Waters, Meg Hell's Aquarium, Meg Origins, Meg Night Stalkers, Meg Generations... Or Meg Purgatory. Do you have descriptions of the books? I really wish I did. Um, but I, I kind of like not having the descriptions of the books. It I means like... That I would love to... I just want to imagine what Meg Hell's Aquarium is I, like. I like Hell's Aquarium. Like, I just have this really, like... I, I like this image in my head of it being this really fucked up, like, government-based, deep, deep, deep in, like, the Mariana Trench Ooh. that no one knows about and is, is almost like a max security underwater prison for, like, prehistoric animals that we don't know about. Mm. Mate, I should fucking screenwrite the Meg, too. That sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> You've done well. And, like, they'll get, like, the cast of the Fast and Furious to break them out in submarines or some shit. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, I think I would like a sort of Meg Generations based on the sort of Star Trek Generations. Yeah. Where like an older version of Jason Statham comes back to save the day and warn everyone that Megs are going to take over the future. I'd love it. It would be crazy. It'd be rubbish. But the Meg is rubbish. It needs to embrace how well, rubbish it was see, last see, time. See, this is the thing. Right. So since we watched the Meg, I don't think I spoke about this on the pod, but we, I've watched one of the five Sharknado films. You. yeah so i was on holiday with my mates and there was a really rainy day in mallorca bit shit when you're only there for five days <laughs> um but i convinced them to watch a sharknado film and we did some extensive googling to work out which one is the meant to be the best one and sharknado 3 came up now sharknado 3 revolves around this guy who's saved the day in two previous sharknados being awarded a golden chainsaw for his efforts to valiantly serve the country of america before making his way down to Florida to the Universal Studios theme park to meet his family. Obviously, calamity ensues and his plans are disrupted. Nice. When a Sharknado turns up. Oh. Now, it was brilliant. It was, it, it was fucking terrible. It was such a bad film. But it was so unbearably bad that it was funny. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure it, it's the kind of film... Tara Reid is in it. Tara Reid from American Pie. When you know when the one to, yeah. who went off the rails on coke for like six years, and she's missing a hand, and she gets <laughs> she gets flattened by a shark at the end of the third film, and get this, they did an online poll before the fourth film 
for people to vote as to whether they wanted her to survive the shark crushing her and be in the fourth film or whether they wanted her to die a noble death and not be in the fourth film and have a new love interest cast for the main character. See, this so is who's doing this. Yeah, this is like this, the shark NATO's doing this. <laughs> this is the market that I wanted the Meg to be in. Yeah. Just crazy, stupid, watch a film with your mates and laugh at it just for how bad it is. Mate, it's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And they end up in space at the end, but you know, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, yeah. Okay. Meg 2, going to happen. I'm not that fussed about it. No. Right. My next bit. Um, we've had some news about Avengers 4. So it's nothing major. We haven't had any trailers or any leaks or anything like that, but people are kind of, they think they've worked out what the title's going to be. Um, so people think that the upcoming Avengers film, which is going to be the sequel to Infinity War next May, in May 2019, they think it's going to be called Avengers Annihilation. Have you heard about this, Will? I've, I've, last, about four to five months ago, I did a lot of research on, like, what the title was going to be, and I watched a lot of YouTubes about it, but the, the, the Annihilation title... I thought I I didn't think it was going to be that one. So there's all right, all right. So the evidence that people have got for this, it's now like they think that they figured it out. Mm. So the Russo brothers put up a cryptic picture of set a few weeks back, which has two ladders in it in the picture, and it kind of looks like two A's. Um, if you're kind of careful and you kind of like think about it, if you're if basically if you're a fucking Reddit genius, yeah. I um, know. So that was one thing that made them think, and and they they commented the comment on the photo was look hard right so they think it's aa like that um unless one of their cars broke down on set and they were sat there waiting unless it's unless it unless the film's called, called about avengers assemble uh, avengers assemble avengers assembled avengers assembled avengers assembled avengers um, disassembled Ooh. anyway there is uh, what are the other reasons so the other reasons are annihilation would be a spoiler for avengers infinity war like that is true like if you think about it, they they said beforehand that they wouldn't tell, they wouldn't reveal the name of the fourth film because it would ruin Infinity War. Mm. And if you call the fourth film Annihilation, it kind of does hint at the old Thanos snappy fingery thing that happened at the end of Infinity War. <laughs> the old thing, the old snappy <laughs> fingers. Um, and the most compelling bit of evidence I've found, which I think is the kind of thing that they they will have done deliberately, is loads of people thought that it could be called Endgame or no time at all or something like that avengers endgame avengers no time at all um but those phrases were actually uttered more than once in infinity war do you know a phrase that wasn't uttered at all by any of the characters in infinity war was it annihilation annihilation so you know i mean it's not particularly exciting they'll probably come out next week and be like yep you guessed it but like kind of cool that would be kind of cool also to have the last film of the avengers like the four um film storyline your annihilation is quite brave and quite bold as opposed to something that's more about like regrouping and like we're yeah. gonna save the day or like avengers like avengers reassembled or something like that would just be a bit naff so so that i'm quite excited about that very very excited my last piece of film news um again quite short um again not many details but i talked about a couple of weeks ago um in the film news about a potential Scarlet Witch and Loki spin-off um, on the new Disney streaming platform coming out Ooh. in about the next year, year and a half. Um, so now they've added to that plan of Falcon and Winter Soldier spin-off. Now, there has been rumours going around since, essentially, um, um, Captain America Civil War, 
that Steve Rogers is eventually going to end his end or die in the same way that Captain America died in the comics. In the comics, he died just after Civil War, so that's why there were so many so many rumors then. Um, there was that like, two weeks ago, I think, on the film news, I talked about how Chris Evans had put up quite a crypt cryptic tweet that was like, "Thank you so much to everything." It's been a everyone. great run. Yeah, yeah, it's been a great run. All of that kind of stuff. So. If it's a Falcon and Winter Soldier spin-off, is it instead going to be a Captain America TV spin-off? And in which case, are they going to hire the same actors? And doesn't does that cheapen the four films that are, that are, that are done by it, or does it just change the emphasis of the role Captain America plays in the universe? I'd be interested to see. Um, but it's, it's interesting that um, those two characters are chosen. I think it's mainly to do with the fact that Anthony Mackie and Oh, I can't remember the name of the other guy. Um, Sebastian Stem. Nailed it. Um, those two, both on the press tour, were constantly together. And they were constantly... I mean, Anthony Mackie was just doing his thing where he just pretended that he hated Tom Hollander. Um, Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. Tom Hollander. <laughs> Hollander. No, Tom Hollander is a person. He's in last week's film. It was Bohemian Rhapsody. He's the, Which he's one's Tom Hollander? Jim Bean. He plays the manager who's who's the accountant at the beginning. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, you mean Littlefinger from... Uh... No, no, the other one. The nicer one. The one who's with them at the end. Who's the manager at the end. It's called like books or accounts or something like that. Or like Florida. Oh. Florida. Or Miami. Yeah, Miami. Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortune favours the bold. It, fortune favours the bold. Yeah. He was quite good, actually. I, I liked love him. Tom Hollander. We didn't He's talk great. about that much last week, but Tom Hollander was a good good yep. character in Bohemian Rhapsody. He was great in Night Manager as well. Um, There's a bit where he turns the volume up on their live aid performance. And that actually think, happens. Yeah. It was amazing. I then one of the sound, one of their own sound. It's not him, but one of their sound um, directors turns the volume up um, deliberately. I think it almost breaks the live aid speakers. Just, a, just a side note on that. Like a week on from watching Bo Rap. Yes, I'm calling it Bo Rap. Bo Rap. Uh, did, did you? Do you still feel like you enjoyed it? Like, do you, do you still have the same feelings about it as as we did last week? Two days ago, um, one of my one of my friends when I went back to back up to Birmingham was like. I'm really sad that I missed out seeing Bohemian Rhapsody with you, and at that moment, um, I think we, I think we've talked about wanting to see it for ages together, and at that moment, I sort of looked and was like, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that you're going to see it, and I'm, I'm so excited for it. And it's not going to be the film that you want it to be." And yeah, so I still, I still don't have the best feelings towards it. Are you growing in feelings towards it? I'm gr like, I'm still kind of tapping my foot along day by day to some of the really good live sequences. Mm. Um, but I just couldn't get over. I, I just don't think it was very good in the dialogue-heavy scenes. I think. Yeah. I think Bohemian Rhapsody for me, continuing forward, is a film that I will go on YouTube and watch the recreation of the line of a, a performance. And all these different. It's imbued clips. like an interesting queen, but it isn't the definitive go-to watch for queen lovers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, cool. We before we that, went we were on talking a tangent. About yeah, we, that was it. Yeah, uh, I was like, where were we? Right. Um, last bit of news before <laughs> we move on to this week's review. Um, our favourite big baldy Baldwin man, Alec Baldwin. We, you said it. You said it. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. It was like, well, how are we going to refer to him? Big baldy Baldwin. So that. Um, big douchebag of a man <gasps> uh, sorry shocking but, like here on the 52 week film project we see through you alec baldwin <laughs> we, we find you disingenuous we find you bullish and we don't think you're the comedic god that you think you are he is doing exactly the same thing as all late night talk show hosts are doing in america he 
like a year and a half on from the presidency announcement, like like commencement, he is still riding the coattails of Trump to get viral views on YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And it is it is so, so lackluster that every single late night talk show host, bar maybe James Corden, but you know, he's fucking English. Like, it, 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 like, they all used to be such good comedians. And Alec Baldwin, to his credit, used to be relatively entertaining but now it's like it's not it's not politics this politics that it's trump this trump that mm. and if you were like if you, if you were mocking like democrats and republicans and you're a political you're a political comedian fine have at it do that for your whole career but like trump's not going to be the president forever their ratings are going to fucking drop it's the same way i see like rappers like lil pump and like just like the shit mumble rap genre like they're riding trends right now but they're gonna be forgotten about in a year Mm. like that because because all they're doing is riding that like social media wave of oh this is what loads of people find funny right now let's capitalize on it you Mm -hmm. know um but anyway big boy baldwin he's gone and done a he's gone and done a naughty will He's done a naughty. Yeah, mate. So just giving you a, like a run overrun of like how how naughty Big Boy Baldwin has blow been by in the blow, past. Let's say. So um, in 1995, the actor assaulted a photographer for taking pictures of his then wife Kim Basinger and their newborn daughter. He was married to Kim Basinger. Yeah. Well, wow. Married. Bullish Baldwin. You don't know that, <laughs> but let's continue uh, the evidence. Then in 2011. Baldwin was removed from an American Airlines flight at LAX after he refused to put away his phone, reportedly becoming belligerent with flight attendants. Mm. Do you know what's another word for belligerent? Come on, mate. Bullish. Flight mode exists for a reason. Bullish, yeah. <laughs> in 2014, Baldwin was charged with disorderly conduct in New York after riding his bike down the wrong direction of a one-way street. I mean, by this point, he needs help. Like, he is off the rails. What riding a bike down down the street the other way? Yes, I agree, it's wrong, but it's not like the. I've heard a lot worse. But then, <laughs> in twenty eight, in twenty eighteen, twenty eighteen, just this last Friday, wow, Alec Baldwin was arrested <gasps> after a physical altercation with a stranger, a stranger no less. Will this could have been me or you? This could have been your mum. This could have been my brother. Indeed, if they lived in LA. That'd be odd. Your he mom, assaulted... My mum and your brother living in LA together. <laughs> That'd be lovely. He assaulted a stranger over... What do you think he assaulted him over, Will? Do you think it was something big? Do you think do you think there was something that... Some real worthy cause? Maybe the, maybe the stranger was, like, being rude to him because he's a celebrity and he was, like, trying to get a photo with him and, like, being quite outrageous, maybe. And then maybe Alec Baldwin was like, self-defence, like, get off me, man, push away. No? No, it was a parking space. Alec. Big boy, naughty, naughty Baldwin punched a guy over a parking space. Alec Baldwin. Does this man have no shame? Yeah, literally, that, that is poor. Anyway, he's uh, due to appear in court, according to the NYPD. Um, I think it just, it just goes to show, mate. He did loads of homophobic slurs and then had to defend himself like a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. That was that was shocking because he was like, I'm such a Democrat. I'm such a liberal Democrat, liberal, liberal Democrat. No, that's a UK party, but like a liberal Democrat. Um, and no, no, he's not because he does because he, he did things like that. And then his brothers are very Republican 
and he's always kind of defended their line which is not a bad thing i have no problem with like defending a republican position on certain certain things um mainly democrat but like really like all especially after these homophobic slurs you do that no alec baldwin you're right needs to stop being a dick <laughs> yeah yeah 100 100 anyway point being we're watching you alec we see you I we love see, that, we I see love right we, through you, mate. We, we, I love that we think that we're the Alec Baldwin police. Like, we're the only people in the world that are going to bring this man down. We are. We're the ABP. The ABP. Shall we, can we just rename our podcast the ABP? <laughs> Maybe we should have, like, a special Alec Baldwin alarm where when he's done something bad, we press it. Yep. And it's like, you've got to stop doing this, Alec. Yep. All like the Kill Bill music, like the new, new, That one would be great. Oh dear, I I've got quite hungover, so that was not my usual singing voice. Just for people yeah, on the podcast, you've, you've, you've been better. I think they'll agree. <laughs> uh, but anyway, anyway, now slaughterhouse rules with a Z. It is. Oh yeah, I forgot about that rules. What do you think about films that do that? Like the Hate You Give was with a U rather than a, like a U. And Slaughterhouse Rules with a Z. I think it's a bit cheap. Yeah, I... I don't like gimmicks like that. They annoy me. Yeah, I, d- I even don't... Like, even like when the Mission Impossible films, when it was like M-I-I-I, because it was Mission Impossible 2, it was like, oh, come on, mate. Yeah, Just not, fucking spell it out. You're not an iPad. <laughs> Calm down. Um, um, yeah, a bit annoying. But alas, so Slaughterhouse Rules is... Um, I would I would call this film a cross between previous Cyber Pagan Nick Frost outings with a splash of St. Trinian's, mm. with a bit of kind of um, clockwork orange creepiness. But, you know, we're definitely not kind of, we're not saying it's a clockwork orange. That'd be quite a... Um, no, there are certain characters... Quite a compliment. Who are, there are certain characters who are clockwork orange-like in the way that they treat their um, underlings and, and yeah. their superiors. Well, the majority, yeah, the majority of the first half of this film revolves around life at Slaughterhouse for the Slaughterians, who are the pupils, who kind of, it, it, it's a classic, it's quite a good stab um, at kind of unpicking, unravelling kind of British pub, uh, like private boarding school culture. Mm. Um, it's primarily for boys. It kind of, it focuses on male characters in this in this film. Um, but it kind of like, you, you're introduced to kind of the classic um, kind of prefect bullies the like i think they're called the, the level above the prefect in this school of the, the gods the gods yeah um which are like there's there's one per house to lead because the the, the houses are all they're all spart it's all a bit confusing god you went to a private school can you just break this bit down for me well i i will say that this private school was nothing like my private schools but it was but it was very it's very it was very odd to see a lot of the things that i've seen before like the prefect system, the fact that everyone carries around an odd cane. None of this happened at my private school, but like I, I was aware of private schools that did this. I was going to go to a school where I was I was going to wear a collar that had a gold gold lapel rather than a tie over it. And it was just a winged collar and a gold lapel. And so I'm aware of all these sort of arty farty bullshit in the the, <laughs> the, the private school system. It's silly. Um, so, th- so these guys have their housemasters. They have who... Simon Pegg is a housemaster for Sparta. You have rep, uh, you have some houses that are very sporty. Sparta is kind of seen as the the lower house. It's kind of like Hufflepuff and that um, that term. Um, you have prefects who are abuse their power. You have rugby jocks. You have um, a version of the c- cadet force there. 
you um they make a joke about the fact that the that, that um development in schools means that they can finally build their indoor ski slope um and it, their their prefect um the prefect spa prefect spa yeah. <laughs> that crap, yeah um yeah i think i think it does a very good job of satirizing the kind of Eaton's, the Harrow's, the King's Canterbury's of the world. More so than I thought it was going to do. I yeah. thought it was going to seem a bit tacky, but it actually was quite engaging and quite funny. Mm. And it, it, it's definitely, it's it's bolstered by some really good British performances. So Simon Pegg sounds the most posh you've probably ever heard him in a film. Mm. And he does it really well. Yeah. He, um, he, I think Simon Pegg is a master of physical and all, like physical and vocal comedy. Yep. Um, he doesn't have to be saying anything particularly funny, but he's kind of like Steve Coogan in that regard where he'll just say something that is so normal and you'll just be there laughing like mm-hmm. he is he's absolutely hilarious in this film he's got he, this film he does a lot of physical comedy yeah and he does in lots of other films but like star trek it's more about like his words and his quips um and that's that's very similar and it's changed with the edgar wright films it's about his physical comedy but it's, it's sort of less about him being a bit of a mess and in this film he's a bit of a mess and i've never seen simon pegg be this much of a mess oh he's a, he's, he's a, like he's a, he is yeah. such a wet blanket in this yeah. film which is hilarious it's really funny it's to really see the funny. only time i've seen him be this much of a wet blanket is run fat boy run yeah um which i still hold as one of the best british comedies of all it's time so it, it's a fantastic film um but one thing if you are thinking about going to see this film um don't go and see it thinking it's going to be a simon Pegg, nick frost buddy comedy film go um we were a bit I, well, I, I haven't spoken to Will about this, but I, I was a bit hoodwinked by it. Um, it, it. The primary focus of this film is on the kids, kind yep. of kind of thinking like an attack the block style dynamic, mm-hmm. where you've got like older actors like Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Michael Sheen, who, again, like he was phenomenal in Apostle that we reviewed last week, but in this he is just fucking hilarious. Like he's so good, he's not in it enough. Him and Simon Pegg are not in this film enough. Mm. But I understand why they don't really lead the story in any way. Yep. Um, but yeah, like you don't expect to be seeing loads of them. Um, especially don't expect to see much of Nick Frost and don't expect to be particularly impressed when Nick Frost crops up. No, Nick his Frost... His character is pretty shit. It's, it's like his character was written for an exposition part. Like they need to explain what is happening at Slaughterhouse, so they wrote Nick Frost's character. They didn't give him any other characteristics apart yeah. from the fact that he likes drugs and he and he's oh, he's gone away from that Slaughterhouse mentality and is trying to be a, a peace loving rebel now. Um, but it's and it's that's it. That's that's literally his character. Um, yeah, Nick Frost is not that exciting. I'm excited. I was excited by Simon Pegg. Michael Sheen is, as you said, wonderful. But it mainly focuses on the kids. Um, so Finn Cole is the lead. So you don't, you know who Finn Cole is, right? Mm. So Finn Cole is Joe Cole's brother. Joe Cole did. Um, he was in Skins. He's he's just recently been in a thing about him being banged up in a in a, in a Thai prison and getting oh, involved in Muay Joe Thai. Cole. He's in Peaky Blinders. Yep. And Finn is his younger brother. And Finn has also, for like two or three seasons, been in Peaky Blinders. Mm. Um, and yeah, I really like him. I think I, I kind of liken Finn Cole as an actor, and very much so in this film. He's very, very similar to Taron Egerton. I, was, I knew you were going to um, say that. He's, yeah. yeah. You, 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 almost, you almost think that if Finn Cole was a bit older and was around on the scene at the time Taron was coming on the scene for Kingsman, Finn could probably equally have done the Kingsman films. It's a very similar storyline of kid gets an opportunity to be 
um, sort of classically educated or classically trained. Um, and he comes and, from a slightly rougher background, so exactly. he's seen as the outcast. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's a very Taron Egerton role. <laughs> it's a very, in fact, Taron Egerton can play that role really, really well, apart from the fact he doesn't look 16. This could basically be a prequel to Kingsman. Yeah, yeah. Or a prequel to Johnny English Strikes Back. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, so, for people that are like, what? Yeah. Uh, me and Will went and saw this film this afternoon. And uh, we sat down in the cinema and we missed the credits. We came in with the end of the Grinch trailer coming on, which is, you know, we're both very excited to see the Grinch. Mm -hmm. um, but didn't take a moment to think, well, the Grinch is going to be like a U or a PG and we're about to watch a 15 rated film. So why is the trailer being shown? Why is the, that the trailer being shown? Yeah. I'd, I'd said we'll probably just walk in when the Widow's trailer's finishing. Yeah, Because yeah. that's the kind of trailer That's the expect. kind of vibe. Um, and anyway, so the trailer's then ended and the film title came up with like the rating and everything. And it came up saying, Johnny English strikes again. And everyone kind of slowly but surely came out of the woodwork. You hear people going, what? This isn't what I paid for. Um, and they just put the wrong fucking film on. Yep, it was amazing. And so Will and a few other stoic people marched out to demand they put the right film on. Um, I, I haven't told you the story about that. I went to the wrong lady. So the so I went, excuse me. And I showed her my ticket. I was like, oh, et cetera. And she was like, I know. I've just come out of the cinema with you. <laughs> so you didn't even show an attendant you just and then, berate, you berated another person and then i kind of just looked like took a side step <laughs> and then was like excuse me and i went to the right people <laughs> oh dear well while you were doing that i was sat in there with my with my skittles yep. <laughs> watching the first 10 minutes of johnny english which actually was quite good yeah i love um, i love the fact that what where, where we got to the at the point we got to with johnny english strikes again was just after the the beginning of the film and the title credits and he just sat down ready to his first bit of dialogue like post like opening credit sequence and the and the film just pauses and it's like sorry for that we'll just put on those astrals <laughs> and then the, the cinema was like oh we're kind of invested now but yeah we should hey, watch those rules i was enjoying it i know the reviews for johnny english strikes again have been absolutely rubbish i have no idea why we've got another johnny english film but it was quite good i will say um, every time I, I every time i see rowan atkinson being rowan atkinson doing slight variations on mr bean i kind of enjoy it the <laughs> film's gonna be rubbish but like, i kind of enjoy that the icing on the cake though was everyone was kind of joking will was thinking he was all hilarious he was saying saying witty one-liners and the whole audience was laughing um proud of you mate thank you um, but <laughs> the best part was there was this elderly couple right behind me and will <laughs> and uh, they then put on um slaughterhouse rules and it came up on the screen showing it and I think I heard the woman, but I didn't really acknowledge it. I heard the woman say something like, oh, no, no, this is only the trailer. Um, and then we got like three minutes into Slaughterhouse Rules and you hear the bloke behind me go, I'm not watching this rubbish. And he went, he got up to leave. And the woman then turned to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, is this Bohemian Rhapsody? It was so <laughs> ridiculous. You're not figured it out yet. Yeah, but yeah, I think they were there for the Johnny English part as well, which is even more <laughs> Which stupid. means they sat through two films that weren't the one they're trying to watch. They have watched segments of three films at that point wow oh, jesus christ um i have no idea what we, what we were talking about we were about. talking about the kid actors yes we were yes so we were. think cold does a good job yep taranaged yes Aza butterfield as willoughby blake um he's in son of rambo and the boy in striped pajamas and ender's game I and think. ender's game yes you're right oh, i can't um, decide if i like him or not man i don't i don't find him particularly entertaining i find him really i know he's he's one of those actors that's meant to be awkward but i just find him too awkward i will say that everything that i've seen him in previously i'm like the kid is being hired because he's got bright blue eyes that are quite scary and i was like i don't think you're that particularly good at acting slaughterhouse rules 
it's the first time I've seen him with like a personality that's personality that's not like not like the the hero or um like a child. It's a personality that's like a bit more nuanced and actually quite comedic parts as well. And I kind of liked how it was played. Like it was sad. He did a lot of sad stuff. And he did a lot of um like there's a scene where he um tries to commit suicide and it's I I think that's done quite well. Although I'm very upset that after that it was brushed over ridiculously quickly i thought the lead up was good i thought after it it was just a bit like at that point the comedy aspect of it kind of it's still there but that's when like the plot and the thrilling and the crazy amount of blood comes in which kind of takes away the emotional weight of what the first hour of the film was trying to do yeah the first hour of the film builds up some quite genuine interesting characters mm. and it kind of does all get a bit gone with the wind when the kind of horror element becomes involved or becomes more prevalent in the storyline. Mm. Um, and it kind of, it doesn't save any time in the second half of the film for kind of continuations of that kind of friendship development to really make the ending feel genuine. Yeah. Like the film kind of, you know, without kind of ruining anything that happens, the film kind of ends with, you know, the, the remaining, um, students all kind of together and they all kind of like look at each other like they're so proud of each other and like they form this really strong bond and i was kind of sat there thinking that these people have known each other for what like a week mm. like and, and some of them have been thrown together on this the night in question in the film's plot they're not all friends. Most of them don't actually really like each other that much. Yeah, and like, some of them, is, some of them bully happening? the other people, which is it. Yeah. Yeah. It, there wasn't. There was a lot of good development in the first half, and there wasn't a lot in the second half. Yeah, and it suffered because of it. Um, I think Aza Busfield was good in it. I think that the guy who played um Clegg, who is the only other, this is probably the best character in the whole film. Yeah, he's essentially plays the straight laced, believes in every single school rule but also is very sadistic to his younger people in Sparta. Um, and he's played by Tom Reese harris And Tom Reese harris has not been in a lot of things. I think he's in the second in between this film. He's in a couple of TV things. He's got a couple of like films and sort of minor roles. But in this film, he completely steals the show. Um, I was telling Jake that I think he, he looks exactly like a young and not facially, not facially tampered or scarred Michael Shannon. I think he, I think he looks creepily like Michael Shannon, um, and he really and he's got this really scary blonde kind of Aryan haircut that kind of adds to the whole like straight laced. As soon as I saw him, I was like, "That's going to be the Draco Malfoy of the film. He's going to be posh and privileged, and he's going to be, 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 be a dick." Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed a lot of the kids in this film. I think he is very he is very Draco Malfoy, isn't he? He really is. Yeah, he and he's got that kind of bleach blonde hair. He like uh, yeah. To be fair, like going back to him for a minute, like he he was a really really good actor. He was an outstanding kind of cast member. He kind of is one of the ones that strides around with his cane, and you kind of get the impression that because he's the kind of the head prefect of Sparta House, which is kind of the one for nobodies and mm. the bullied children, you get the impression that he's probably worked his way up from a position of being quite tormented himself. So he's got all this anger to try and like let out on the younger kids. Yep, um, and he's vicious. Like it's very. Um, you know, I think his character definitely thrives in the 15 rating that this film got. I think a lot of the rest of it could be a 12 or maybe even a PG. But some of the scenes involving him are incredibly dark. PG? Um, but also incredibly funny. 
yeah, mate, most of the first half of this film. Oh, as- the first aside half, from oh, the, the first suicide, half, right. aside from the suicide topic, like it's quite PG. Yeah, well, that's funny, but PG. Well, that's I suppose what's interesting about this film is that the first half of the film, then there's much swearing. Well, there's not. There's fundamentally not a lot of swearing because all of the older characters are so inherently posh and smart and stuck up that they they say things like "What the flipping f- heck?" Yeah, you know. So yeah. there's not, yeah, there's not a lot of vulgarity in this Until, film. Until, I suppose, not in terms of vulgarity, but in terms of violence, it gets the second half of the film. And I think the second half of the film is where the problem starts. They have, there is, without trying to spoil things, I think, firstly, the monsters that are chosen, they're not that compelling. They're incredibly generic. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, and, and you, and it's, it's kind of based on a legend that you hear the school legend of how Slaughter House, House was made. And it's this whole legend of, the founder slayed a beast and trapped it and all this kind of stuff and the beast looks like a dragon yet the beast that the beast does not appear in this film without and is has multiple it's it's not just one thing it's like a whole colony of beasts that's probably too much of a spoiler um We'll put it as a we'll put it as a non-spoiler free episode. All good. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys, that have been listening for forty minutes. <laughs> no, like you can see, to be fair, well, you see the creatures in the trailer. Yes. Um, they're not like they kind of look like kind of, I mean, uh, walruses. It's a mixture between a walrus and a dog, um, essentially. But they're like the point being, they're quite bland. I was hoping that there would be a variety of different creatures that kind of get involved in this film. There aren't. It's the same thing, kind of almost imagine copy and pasting a graphic mm. across the screen when there's multiple of them on the screen um it reminds me of the problem that i had with one of the avengers films i can't remember which one it is maybe age of ultron where all of the creatures or all of the villains look identical yeah they're all the same kind of robot cyborg thing and i just think that's really lazy mm-hmm. i just think that in a film that is so creative in other ways they could have tried a bit harder i think there's a lot of films that fall on this sword of making the villains if there's multiple of them kind of look all the same and kind of unified in that way but i think it comes off sloppy i completely agree um and that yeah that was a problem i think this film would be much more interesting and there probably could be a lot more to play with humor wise if there was a variety of different sizes and types of creatures yep i completely agree um i think it's also interesting that the gore levels it's quite it's quite well shot but they it's also quite hit and miss though isn't it yeah some like... of them are like some of them it's like well shot and well and quite sh- impactful and you're like oh and wow or it, and it's like it's not horror per se but it's like it kind of hits you like oh my gosh that's a bit gross almost like a final destination film yeah but some, but some of it is again like a final destination film but all for all the problematic reasons like you look at like a, a, a dead person's gut and you're like that is not real just... Oh, to me, none of it looked real, but it was quite over-the-top funny. Yeah. But then the issue that I had was there were scenes where you could, like, openly see someone's severed hand with loads of blood splurting out of it and them all screaming. And then there were other scenes where similar injuries or similar fatalities afflicted characters, but, like, off-screen or the camera pans away. And it's like, I don't understand why some of it could be shot in full detail mm. and the rest of it was being played off like a like a men in black pg film Do you know what i mean 100%. it felt it felt weird it felt like sometimes they were comfortable showing you the gore and other times they weren't yeah like there was a scene early on where some characters get killed and instead of actually showing them get killed it just cuts to like a car that's in the vicinity and blood splatters on it or a wall and blood splatters on it and that was one of the first bits i was thinking god are we actually going to see anything in this film or is it yeah. going to be this restrained um, yeah, it was quite confused. I don't mm. know why. 
I think for me, um, in terms of just trying to sum up my thoughts on this film, I went into this film thinking that it was going to be a very different storyline. What the trailer presented was Slaughterhouse is a school where you just fight like these deep demonic creatures. Like it's part of the curriculum in a way. It's part of the things you go to Slaughterhouse to is that you, these people are screwed up and they're killing all these different monsters and stuff like that. And I didn't really have an idea that it was going to be like, like it was a mystery to un un uncover the monsters, if that makes sense. I, yeah. thought, I thought it was m more part of the original plot, which I thought was going to make it more novel. What you instead have is a film that where, where essentially it's with a, with a very conventional plot of, um, people of school children. There's something odd. They have to find out a mystery. They have to work out um how to kill them, and then the whole combination of it comes about when they just run away, and then they just they just they just run away, and somehow all the, nothing that you learn about any of the exposition matters in how in how they destroy these monsters but i don't think that's spoiling anything no i, think, I agree I yeah agree. but it is but there's it is a, there's a whole there's a whole fracking and anti-fracking storyline in this film that kind of doesn't really need to exist like it gives an interesting impetus at the start of the film as to why creatures suddenly start appearing but as the film goes on, it tries to make that more and more meaty, but to less avail. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. It kind of it gets less and less interesting, especially the whole anti-fracking clan, which Nick Frost is a part of. Just completely unnecessary part of the film that wasn't really. It felt like an afterthought. Yep. It felt like, ah, oh, fuck. We've we've written this quite interesting story, but I feel like this needs to be laid out a bit more clearly. It, yeah, it was a bit of an exposition dump. Mm. But yeah, I, no. All right. Well, um, I mean, what would you? going on to critic quote awards what would you say is the most accurate or best description of this film um my best description is by tim roby from the daily telegraph he said early on there are stray flashes of the class savvy romp this script wanted to be but they're drowned out by gag after jolt after obvious gag and jolt after obvious gag up brilliant yeah i think it's quite i think it's quite nice it sums up quite well i think it's i think it's exactly that essentially the first hour of the film it sets up the characters that you, that you the main characters really really well then in the second part of the film the, it decides to kill half the good decent characters and then introduce characters that you you just don't care about I almost not, they're not put in there i almost felt as if cutting out the whole supernatural element of this and making it just a comedy drama about the lives of students Completely. in the most in the most intense academy like private academy in the country which is essentially what the first hour is could have made for a better film definitely but it wouldn't be a simon pegnick frost film so it's like other people would have had to have done it but what i'm saying is the the act the whole cast that play the character like the the children at the school plus michael sheen um could have done a completely different film which maybe would have been more entertaining yeah um my best descriptions from jeffrey McNabb at the independent who says bits are good bits are bad and quite a lot is plain baffling but the overall effect is invigorating mm -hmm. like i walked away from this film thinking i did laugh out loud multiple times it was quite funny the cast were likable there's a lot that could have been better but it wasn't bad uh mark commode because i'm gonna mention him again um constantly shout out <laughs> um he says with his um comedy test that it's a uh, six laughs and it's a comedy and with this film i probably laughed about 20 to 30 times and i barrel laughs like i was laughing yeah for this a while. was this was funny this yeah. was it is a really funny film yeah 
Um, barrel laugh. <laughs> barrel laugh. Um, my worst description is by a guy called Ross Miller from the National Scotland. And he says, the script simply isn't sharp enough here to sell as proper reverence. Instead, coming off as a cheap wannabe with a dislodged funny bone and a very little bite. Talking about the monster. Jeez. Yeah, you know, just in case you need to know. Oh, clever. God, clever. Mate, I was so confused. <laughs> um, my most savage quote comes from Marianne Johansson from Flick Philosopher. Now, that is philosopher spelt F I L O. Philof. Okay, right. Ugh. Um, she's put this unfunny unscary mess is a series of missed opportunities that has no idea what to do with its attempted class warfare satire it's cheap but not even cheesy that would require some passion which is completely lacking I agree with her that there's a lot of missed opportunities but I think there was passion behind this project Mm -hmm. and speaking from the fact that we really struggled to find a cinema four days after this film has been released this is opening weekend for this film like we've really really struggled to find a place to go and watch this film um it's hardly on across Odeons, and i mean if it's not on across Odeons, i think you could safely assume it's not on across a lot of other cinemas it's shocking um, how little it's on i, I we tried to do some research because we wanted to kind of figure it out on the way back today we were thinking like is there a reason why this film has gone quiet is there a reason why there hasn't been a lot of pr they can't find anything mm. can't find anything i i I think it's probably been hampered by some massive releases. It's been put in... I, like, If I was to think that I knew anything about when to release films, releasing it right off the back of Venom, Bohemian Rhapsody, A Star Is Born, right before, <coughs> right before Wreck-It Ralph 2, The Grinch, Widows. Like this just... It does... It, you know... If you want to watch a scary film, Halloween's out right now and it's getting good reviews. Well, Why this you came see out this? on Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think this is a Halloween-y type film. I think no. it. I think it's a. It, you can say it's a horror, but I think it's more actually a, a summer flick. I would have liked this to come out around at the same point as Tag came out. I think it would yeah, have got much better received. Would have done much better. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I just think it is a bit of a shame because not a lot of people will see this movie, and I think especially because it's not an Edgar Wright film. And it's not part of the Cornetto trilogy. It will kind. I reckon this film will go relatively unheard of, mm. and the majority of people. Whereas I can safely guarantee, if I go into a, a you know a party or a pub pub trip with my mates, I can probably assume that most of the, well, they've all seen Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, and most of them have probably seen The World's End. Yeah. I think that if I went down to the pub with my mates in six months and said, "Oh, so you guys saw Slaughterhouse Rules, right?" They'd probably be like, no, what's that? Yeah, exactly. There's been like the fuck all PR around this film and it's a shame. Well, I was looking at cinemas from Putney to Richmond to Wimbledon and they all had Smallfoot in the in it still and not um, this film, which is crazy because Smallfoot came out ages ago and it's not like, it's not going to be the biggest blockbuster in the world, is it? No, true, but I do still want to see Smallfoot. Yeah, no, so do I. No, I'm not knocking Smallfoot at all. I'm just Ooh. saying. I'm just saying that Smallfoot is still Getting in cinemas. Getting a cinema. bit political here, Will. Christ. Smallfoot is still in cinemas, and Slaughterhouse Rules is not in this the, in these big London location yeah. audience. It's shocking. I agree. Um, do you have a favourite moment? I think ours is going to be the same. Go on. Um, it's Michael Sheen's entrance and speech. No, it's all right. So yeah, that, it's very funny. Very, um, very good. When I, essentially the headmaster introducing himself to it's the essentially it's, it's less about his speech and more about just his entrance and walk his in. Presence, because yeah. he walks in and he's got these long, head, billowing headmaster's robes. Like the, the classic 
like, like university graduation level right yeah exactly yeah. with all those silly adornments and etc and they're red and black and yeah silly and he sort of it's a, the way that he flicks the sleeve every time he does something and every time he like changes his um movement and then the fact that the, he opens the doors and it's just a dog and then you just see michael sheen walk in with all these prefects with canes it's it's so unnerving but also just really funny and just him in the film in general like he every, is really good There's every a, yeah. single moment that he has on screen he says a word that it, it's just not how that word is supposed to be said yeah and it's brilliant it's so funny yeah he is he is really great if yeah definitely my favorite bit is um when simon pegs on skype to his like sort of girlfriend who's a cameo from margot robbie uh brilliant um and she's like out in south sudan helping like children in war-torn zones and he's like drunk and he's trying to convince her to come back to the uk and she's like i can't and she's got this like young like malnourished kid on her lap and she's like look i can't leave ibrahim like he's you know like I, I need to help him i need to support him and he like simon pegs like oh just bring him back yeah <laughs> it's like, like and like, he's like hey eve do you like cricket that's amazing <laughs> it's like clucking down his wine um yeah really funny um out of 10 5.5 yeah same z's <laughs> 5.5 mate i think it, it was a reasonable watch it was a reasonable watch i enjoyed it and i laughed but it, a lot it, it could have been so much more yeah, I agree. And it's not lacking good actors and good characters at no, all. No, no, no. All um, the character stuff is really good. I was genuinely scared. I was genuinely... La- I laughed a no, lot of my... Were, what were you genuinely scared by? Uh, the Bollocks. guy who played Clegg was really scary. Oh, uh, right, yeah. Like, he is not like scared, things. but like I was like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I wouldn't like to meet him on a dark alleyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> really, anyway. Uh, but yeah, 5.5. 5. I, yeah. I think that is about right. I agree. I agree. Ooh, is that the first time we've agreed on a review in a while? I feel like we've been doing so many, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we have. We, it probably has. Yeah. We. We. I mean, do you, do you remember when we did? Like, we we've sometimes disagreed by three or four points at this point. Now it's nice that we finally got back on balance. That we that we are like we're agreeing. We know. Yeah. I think it's all. I think it's interesting when we disagree and when we agree. It's a very political answer, wasn't it? <laughs> Basically, the point Will's trying to make there is no matter what we review a film, you're going to enjoy listening to it. Yeah! <laughs> plug, what plug, a great plug. segment! Um, yeah, so next week... Yes. We are going to another Odeon screen unseen. It's so exciting. Which is really awesome. We love these. What have we done so far with these? We've done... American Animals. American Animals, which was probably one of the best films we've reviewed since yeah. we started our run. I think so. It I was think it's... It, definitely one of the most surprising films. Like it was just very, very good, and we had we did not expect it. Yeah, I think you were never really here, and that is probably the the, the top two we've had in, in a while. Yeah, yeah. I I'm very, very excited to see what film it's going to be. Um, you said that you have some ideas of what it could be. Yeah, so I've I've been following like the Reddit stream of like what they think it's going to be because Odium released some room some clues beforehand, but they're they're known for being like unbelievably cracked it mm. they no one's ever like undoubtedly cracked the film before it comes out kind of thing uh but it's looking as if the kind of lead contender is the old man and the gun which is robert redford's mm. final film uh which is it was at the london film festival a couple of weeks ago and we were actually going to go and see it but we didn't in the end um which is cool if it is it means it's a film that we really we really care about and we really wanted to see um people also think it could be sorry to bother you 
mm. which is the Boots Riley film with Lakeith Stanfield with his like white person voice, which is apparently hilarious. It's been out in America for a couple of months. Um, still not out here in the UK. Um, I'd be happy with either of them. Yeah. There's a rumor that it could be the favorite, which is the Yorgos Lanthimos film with Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and I can't remember the other woman. But they're um, they're all playing like queens, yes, or like like a royal family, and they just kind of like fuck around and yeah, it's it's the yeah the, it's the the same guy who directed the lobster, and so it's going to be bizarre. It's going to be incredibly strange. Yeah, so that's a rumor, but I think it's looking unlikely. Um, are there any more? I can't remember. I think that's it. Yeah. So I'm excited to see any one of those films. I think the most excited I would be is to see the favorite, but I think that's probably not going to happen. Just because it's such a big release, um, American Animals was big in big, but it didn't have a lot of big stars behind it. Yeah, it was more of like an indie film that was gonna was gonna do quite well. If that but re- regardless, they like they with screen unseen, they try and show you a film that is already kind of being critically applauded. They mm. like they they try and never show a bad film, and we are in Oscar territory now. Yeah. So hopefully, we should see more screen unseen coming up soon, Definitely. and this should be a strong contender. Um, um, and, and the last screen on scene we went to, I remember me and you really not wanting to see Crazy Rich Asians. Which we thought it was going to be. And then I watched Crazy Rich Asians the other week. Oh, really? Yeah. How was it? Really good. Oh, really, really good. Damn it. Do you know who was one of the best people in the film? Who? Aquafina. She was great. No, Will, she Will, was great. you can't bring this up right at the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh. Discuss. Right. <laughs> Off. <laughs> Off the pod. We're going to have an argument about this. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you very much, everyone, for listening hope you enjoyed as always please make sure you like and subscribe leave us a review if you can on itunes and we will see you next week bye